From the West Branch Studios in Davidson, North Carolina, welcome to Dump the Clutch. On your toes, on your toes, on your toes, on your toes, are full wide. Bust his ass. Yes, sure. we had a massive target on our back. There's your nickelback crunch. He's gone and rolls into the fence just over the finish line and keeps it going. There you go, Sheldon Creed, the showstopper. So tell me, um, tell me your name and uh, what you do. So Julian Pena. I work at uh, Hendrick Motorsports, and right now I am the vehicle simulator engineer as I've transitioned off the road. Yep. And how long have you been with them for? Hendrick, it will be going on five years. Yep. And since 2015. So I think, um, I don't know, I think I knew this uh, way back when, but it didn't really strike me. But um, you're from Orange County. Correct. I'm from Orange County. Where did, where did you, you went to Laguna Beach? Yeah, so Laguna Beach, Aliso Viejo area. Did you go to Laguna Beach High School? No, I went to Aliso Niguel. Aliso Niguel, okay. Probably 10 miles inland from yeah. that. So I went to Irvine High School. Oh, we played you in football. Oh, yeah. A lot. Uh, well, so um, how old are you? I'm 35 now. You're 35. I'm 45, so I'm old as shit. Yeah. Uh, but um, so I think we, Irvine got into your league, the Seaview League or the yep. Pacific League. Well, we were in the Pacific League and Towards then I the, think my junior year we switched to the Seaview League. Yeah. Did you play sports? Yeah, I played football. And what position did you play? Corner. Corner. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well. Um, and so, like, what type of kid were you? I mean, I played a lot of sports. I was into video games. I was into skateboarding. I was into RC cars. And then just with me and my friends, that's kind of what we would do. Well, I would play with my RC cars and stuff by myself, but we would go skate, we would go to the beach, we'd play video games. And were you usually tearing apart your RC cars? I was, I don't, I didn't like, cause they had, when I was growing up, like the ready to run versions were just coming online and uh -huh. more and more people were starting to make ready to run versions. But I didn't like that because I enjoyed building them. Right. And I enjoyed knowing how to fix them if, they ever broke and that's like from day one so like you're a young yeah. kid and you you're automatically I mean, like, that kind of started with legos like my parents mm -hmm. bought me legos and they said go to town i'm like yep. well what do i do I'm like, well follow the directions and then i would purposely build it and then go to the top of my stairs and if it was like an airplane or something or a helicopter <laughs> or even a lego pirate ship i would throw it off the stairs right just to break it just to see if i could fix it again without yeah. using the instructions and you're originally from orange county so we Moved to Orange County when I was in fifth grade, uh -huh. and originally from Rancho Cucamonga. Oh, really? So still Southern California? Yeah, still Southern California. Been and Southern California. so, um, do you classify yourself as a racing geek or a car geek? Because I think those are like two different definitions. I guess I have a hard time classifying. I guess just a car geek. Yeah. I, I never grew up racing. Like my yep. parents weren't into it. Yep. I knew about it. Mm -hmm. Watched a couple races. Like just knew about drivers, knew about cars. Yeah. But never really went to a short track. Never drove go karts. Never raced motorcycles or anything yep. like that. I was the same thing because um, because being out there, like so the there, there's a racing culture here in Charlotte, mm -hmm. and it's still boutiquey, but it's it's very like palpable. But I don't think it's a car culture. 
the car culture in Southern California, it, in my opinion, is second to none. Right. Like you walk up on the, on actually any day of the week and into the weekends, mm-hmm. you're, there's cruise nights, you'll see stuff on the street you only read about in magazines. Yep. And so being uh, in that as a young kid for me, like the, um, the Ford Premier Automotive Group when that was alive, mm-hmm. I saw that building be built. Nice. The Mazda building was out there. Yep. And I remember seeing cars in camouflage driving around town. Yep. So that was like... All the design studios were out there because of the weather and the people and the and the you know just the culture out there. So I, uh, I was the same way. My parents were not in racing at all. I think my uncle drag raced, but other than that, I I didn't drive a car. Uh, I didn't race a car, but I just love cars. Yeah. And I always wanted to be around them. So that's kind of how I separate yeah, the two. The same thing. Yep. And um, so you were a fix it kid, tear mm-hmm. stuff apart, build it back up early on. And at what point did you say to yourself, I want to try and go to school for this, and I want to try and make a career out of it? Originally, up until about maybe junior year of high school, Uh I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh So I was on that path, and I thought that's what I wanted to do, but I wasn't really sure with the way enlisting goes and how long you have to serve, I was like, well, maybe I want something different after a career in the military. Like, yep. what what does that look like? And then I was kind of, I guess, I didn't want to serve for the rest of my life. Yep. Which, being a fighter pilot, you more or less commit your life to that. Yeah. It would have been cool, but there's other things I would want to do. Right. So I kind of, you know, talked to my parents. They're like, oh, go to a good school and... If you're interested in this, generally, this is mechanical engineering. It looks mm-hmm. like, you know, yep. that you would be interested. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I went that route instead. So got pretty good grades in high school and then started the college route. And But so when you were a kid, you saw the Blue Angels come to El Toro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I like, mean, F-18s flew over my house in Aliso, like probably about 100 feet. Yep. We were in the landing path. Yep. I mean, we would stop class at yep. school. Just so we have a, we have a lot of stuff in common because yeah. I was the same. I mean, it, it was a four Skyhawks way back when, when I first remember it. And, yeah. you know, we would walk through the orange groves to get there. And then um, ultimately the F-18s. But um, I kind of was the same way. I had my, my relative, my mom's uncle was a pilot. Uh, he was a bomber and he wanted me, wanted me to be a pilot. Uh, I am colorblind with a few colors. So uh, that's an automatic, like, you know, coming close to a plane. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think it was... Um, uh, I remember P-51 Mustangs, the first time I heard those at the air show fly low over mm-hmm. us and just that sound that it made. Right. So, yeah, I um, I never got super down the path of wanting to fly planes, but, man, I love planes. And yeah. I think the speed translation easily came over. Yep. So my dad took me to a lot of air shows when I was a kid. We yep. went to Miramar. We went to Edwards. We went to El Toro. Oh, just cool. There's a cycling rotation. That was kind of our thing. Yep. I loved it. And was this fueling your your um, desire to go even more mechanical engineer? And, and I think so because, you know, you know, being a dumb high school kid, I, that's kind of what I was told. You know, cars, airplanes, mechanical engineer, uh-huh. you know, get your engineering background. You can pretty much branch off and work on what you want Yep. after college. So I was like, okay, cool. Yep. And did you get good grades all throughout high school? Yes. Like crazy smart? Uh, I, I guess high school came easy to me. I don't uh-huh. I never got and it. And do you, um, I know a handful of engineers, do you have, do you think you have a, um, um, a photographic memory? No, I remember stuff pretty well, but not photographic. Yeah. I, uh, you know, going out of high school, you know, you get into Stanford and there's only like, 
five or six of you in the county that get into that place. Right. If even that. But uh, then you get there and then you realize there's a lot of people way, <laughs> way, way smarter than you. So what was it like going to school at Stanford, number one, and number two, being in the middle of Silicon Valley in a probably really hot time? So I, I didn't know any different because that Stanford is such a bubble. Like the uh-huh. campus is enclosed. Like we all lived in the dorms for four years. I slept on the top bunk of bunk beds with my roommate and my roommate was my roommate for four years. Oh, wow. Like we didn't have cars. Cars were extra. They charged you extra to park them. (laughs) So we kind of lived in that bubble a lot. Uh So I didn't know exactly what was going on around me other than me being focused on school, engineering, and what I was going to do afterwards. And of course, drinking, partying. And the, the tech, the tech kids, because you, you were in school with Kevin Systrom, who created uh, Instagram, correct? Yeah. So he was, he was really good friends with my friends who joined uh, Fraternity Sigma Nu. So there was, I was always around him. I never right. really, you never really think, right? You're all just kids drinking, going to school and right. having fun, like mm-hmm. play flag football, all that. And just a few years later, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> but at, at any given point, did did you want to sway from mechanical engineering and do something else, seeing maybe kind of bits and pieces no, of what I other didn't. people were going um, through? So the first couple years of college, you know, you get all your basic courses and whatnot. I didn't really like excel until I got into the mechanical engineering yep. courses. Like then it was like light switch, game on. Uh-huh. I was really good at everything. And then I was really interested in everything that we were touching, you know, uh, I had a jet engine class. I had vehicle dynamics classes. I had, you know, electric automated vehicle classes, you know, autonomous vehicle classes. Oh, like, wow. It was all cool to me. Yep. Like, I never really thought, you know, that was when Facebook was starting up and they were looking to hire people. Yeah. You know, like could have been ground zero at Facebook, <laughs> you know, it was just a little shop in Palo Alto, but right. it never really occurred to me. Yeah. You know, I took programming classes and I enjoyed them, but yeah. I was just like, I like this stuff better. Right. And um, did you, so are, are you getting more involved in racing at this time, at least from a fan standpoint, uh, as you get older through college? No. So I was pretty involved. I'm trying to think. It was more or less in middle school. Uh-huh. So my uncle, huge race fan since like the 80s, I what guess. What kind? Uh, NASCAR. Yep. So he was a wardrobe guy, and one of his shows that he was filming was Miami Vice. So he went to Daytona a lot. Oh, cool. And caught the bug. Uh-huh. Loved going to races, and then they opened the California Speedway, and he bought season tickets or whatever. Right. And then one year, he took me, and, I, you know, I watched it on TV, and I was uh-huh. like, all right, cool. But normally, I watch, like, Champ Cars or whatnot. Yep. And then he took me, and I was like, okay, cool. And then he, we walked over to turn one at California Speedway. And this was with open motors, full yeah. horsepower. Yeah. He's and this was the time where you could like kind of stand on the fence. Uh-huh. So I stood on the fence, and then you know practice was going on, and then they started coming down the front stretch into turn one at about like two ten. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> but was was that your hooking moment? That or? was my hook moment. Yeah. And then from there on, it was like every Sunday I had my four hours to myself. I would. Beg my parents to skip church. Oh, really? Yep. Followed it. And who did you follow? Who was your driver right off the bat? Well, his driver was Jeff Gordon. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, per se, but 
the whole California thing, I was like, oh, okay, I'll root for that guy. Right. And he yeah. had a colorful car, and yeah. the rest was history from there. And did you stick with Jeff Gordon as a fan? Yep. 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 So all throughout college and everything, I had you know my Jeff Gordon shirt, my Jeff Gordon hat. People thought it was a joke. I was like, oh, I actually wear this sometimes. <laughs> Just- so then at what point when you're at Stanford do you start to think about Huh, I can I can maybe work for you. You know, I really teams. didn't think about engineering and then, you know, being the fan that I was, I was reading I think it was NASCAR.com one day and it was just the headline was like mechanical engineers in NASCAR. And I was like, Oh, cool. Oh wow. I was like, I, I could do that. Yep. So that was like junior year and then, you know, you try the application process for like an internship, but I was all the way in California. It's all the way in North Carolina. It's hard to get into that industry at that time. And roughly what time was that? What year? 2005. Okay. So this is still pretty hot. Yeah. Like really hot. Sports pretty popular. Stands are packed. Everything. And did the Stanford tag on your resume do anything more or less or? Um, Not by itself. Uh, you know, trying to apply, I guess, online or via job postings. Not really. It took a friend of a friend yep. to get my resume there Yep. in front of someone, you know, like actively pushing <laughs> it in front of someone and then being like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so then you finish school mm-hmm. and do you pull anchor and come out or what, what, what was that timing like from going so from California? So I had like, before I graduated in about May or June, I had interviews with teams that I got set up with. And, you know, it's in the middle of the season. I don't know this. I'm yep. just thinking, yeah, I graduate in June. You give me a job in June, right? <laughs> right. I don't understand, like, the end of the off season and how stuff works. So I'm sitting there, like, I have, you know, a commitment from someone, but they're like, you know, we can't hire you yet. Just give us a little more time. Mm-hmm. This was Everham yep. Motorsports. Yep. And I'm like, okay, well, all right, July. That's fine. I'll take a month off and yeah go have fun took till november oh really so <laughs> in that time you know there was uh opportunities at tesla wow there's opportunities you know at other companies that pretty good starting salaries and whatnot yeah but i really really didn't want a desk job out of college yep didn't want to sit in a cubicle so from the time you graduated to hendrick motorsports what did that part of your career look like where did you all work at so I worked at Everham for two and a half years. And then once that kind of got assimilated by Roush, I worked at Roush for uh-huh. about four years. And yep. then Chad Kanowski gave me a call and started yep. in 2015 at Hendrick Motorsports. So and your family and friends supportive about your... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so my, tell, tell my me about that. My high school friends <laughs> thought I was a redneck. Yep. Well... So, you know, I'm Mexican and Dominican, so they thought it was odd that there is a Southern California Mexican surfer kid that loved NASCAR. My college friends didn't get it. They didn't get why I would sit and watch cars go around in circles for four hours on Sundays. Yep. Like, my parents sort of got it. My dad, you know, I think he played into it a little bit. Like, he liked Rusty Walsh just because Rusty Walsh had a cool-looking car. Mm -hmm. He didn't really follow it. I couldn't really talk to him about anything. Were they disappointed but supportive or just flat out disappointed? They weren't really disappointed. I think my dad got, I, I don't, I wouldn't say he was disappointed. He probably was like, why are you doing this? Uh-huh. 
but I think the cool factor for him kind of set in when he, you know, saw me working on cars and, yeah. you know, I think, you know, as my careers progress, you know, going on the road, you know, he goes to California Speedway, he goes to Phoenix, he yep. went to Sonoma, he mm-hmm. didn't see me in action. I think, yeah. you know, then he kind of yeah. got more into it. Yeah. The people that thumb their nose at NASCAR for being dumb, redneck, dumbed down cars. So from a mechanical engineer brain, explain to people the intricacies and how delicate those cars are now. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of, I mean, yes, like the car itself is probably old technology, but there is a lot of engineering work going into finding hundreds of a second. Yeah. And I I think that's true about any racing, no matter what level of technology you use, right? Right. Formula One guys will spend $10 million to find out how to cool their tire a degree wow. for that extra performance gain. Yep. And that's what we do, yep. more or less. So, yep. I mean, yes, the car is old technology, but yep. we use today's technology to find that hundredth of a second just to make Jimmy Johnson win yep. seven championships. And fit and finish and tolerances, that still translates Everything is detail. Right. Like, yep. you know, that's one of the things that Chad Knauss kind of taught us when we were on his team is everything attention to detail is what kind of separates. And so I don't, I don't know Chad, but I've read and seen a lot and heard a lot. Mm -hmm. So what is it like working for him? Stressful. Yep. But the rewards pay off, you know, like we won a lot of races. We won the championship in 2016. Like there was a lot of late nights, but at the end of the day, if you knew you put in the effort, you saw the results on track. Like mm-hmm. you'd have to deal with a lot. You'd have to deal with mood swings. You'd have to deal with late night changes, last minute changes, things you didn't want to do. Yep. But he would also, you know, take your advice. He would also take suggestions if you presented it, you know, he yep. made you really, instead of just, you know, throwing out an idea and being like, why don't we try this? He would make you research it. He would ask why he would make you do all the detail work about your, yep. um, idea basically because he's responsible for the whole car right Right. he's responsible for the team so if he's going to put something a product on track he wants to know you know it's thoroughly thought out and knowing how long the season is it's it's forever Mm -hmm. uh tell me about team chemistry and how important that is and even if it gets out of whack just a little bit like that could be detrimental yeah it is um you basically live with those seven or eight guys Mm -hmm. i mean there's, there can be little segments and clicks within a team, but in general, I mean, we all try to pull for each other. Like late nights, you're all there. You're all pulling. Right. You try not, I mean, at some point people have to leave to go see their families, but we try, all tried to stay as late as we could to support one another. Like if I was done with my engineering work, I'd go help, you know, the setup plate guys or I'd help the truck drivers or right. anything really yep. until I really had to go home yep. before the wife started yelling at me too much. <laughs> and then, so the teams you've worked for, I think you were probably towards the tail end of Everham, you mm-hmm. know, Roush, maybe a little bit past their glory days, yep. but working for HMS, they probably don't have an ATM machine in the back, but they're, they're probably the top team, you know, for a, a long span of, of time. Mm-hmm. What is it like having that type of resource behind you? It's good that I don't think we ever got the answer no for what we wanted. Yeah. I mean, we had to work hard and... You know, do a lot of engineering work but it was all 
we never got no because of money or no, we can't do that because we don't have the budget. Yep. If it was going to go faster, we got it. Yep. And that's, I, I've heard very similar <laughs> viewpoints on yeah. that. And that it, it, in this day, actually in any day and age, it doesn't care what, what year it is. Mm -hmm. To have that mentality, that's pretty special, and it's pretty rare. Very that, rare. There's probably two teams that are like that. Yeah. Maybe. And Never and, in my mind at five years at Hendrick have I ever, well, when we were racing, when I was on the road, have I ever heard no because yeah. of money. Yeah. And so when you're at a racetrack on the weekend, what are your responsibilities? So when I was on the road, yeah, uh, it really started like at the shop during the week like we would we would prep the car we would get the car set up properly we would generate a simulation model from that car we would run through a bunch of preliminary simulations to mm -hmm. like vet out our setup ideas we would have changes that we wanted to do we would try to plan, uh, plan practice as best as we could mm -hmm. if things went well when we get to the track is just executing all of that. Yeah. And you know, you might get thrown a curveball. The track might not be what you thought it was going to be. The tire might not be what you thought it was going to be. And you just have to react to that, yeah. but you have a kind of a game plan set during the week. Right. And so you guys ran four cars, four individual cars, meaning separate chassis, all different setups, or were there interchangeable parts between the cars? I would say, you could get to someone else's setup at the track. Okay. When I was like on the road full time. Yep. There was time for that. Like if, uh, I guess at the time it was, if Jeff Gordon was faster than Jimmy and we had a different setup or different geometry, front end geometry, we had the stuff to put in Jeff Gordon's setup. Okay. And we had the time. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there's only half the time. So yep. you have to come more prepared. You have to come more similar to your teammates in order if someone you know hits on something you want to be able to get there really quickly yep there's just not a lot of time now at the track for us to work on the car yep and then um on race day because you sat on top of the box mm -hmm. so what were you doing up there so i was doing fuel mileage i was monitoring other teams and uh -huh. their strategies yep um performing simulations on the fly yep you know and um I don't, I mean, it probably every team has done it, but when you monitor other teams, like I, I've heard of teams hiring people to walk in the garage with cameras that are dressed as plain clothes people. <laughs> like I, I, I won't put you on the spot, but I think it's, it's, it's sometimes eye opening for people that don't know about that. Like the extent people go towards to see what someone else is doing. Yeah. And if you're getting beat on the track, you have to go find out what right. they're doing. I mean, you try to live by quote unquote, the rules. Mm -hmm. But if you see your competitor outside of those, not outside, but like doing something creative that right. you maybe thought of or didn't think of, you're like, oh, okay, well, right. we can do that. You got to have it. Mm -hmm. And you also, you know, for your own team, like if you've come with something innovative, you try to hide it as best you can. Yeah. You start using code words, you start covering up. So, the picture guy in the garage can't see what you're doing, even yep. though, you know. This episode of Dump the Clutch is brought to you by Muddy Creek Experiential. Nestled in the Piedmont of North Carolina, Muddy Creek has been creating custom experience-based marketing and hospitality solutions for the past 20 years. 
Ensure that your next sports or entertainment investment is properly activated by the experts at Muddy Creek. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Muddy Creek Experiential. And now, back to Dump the Clutch. I Even the, um, the documentary uh, with Jeff Gordon and Ray Evernham in the, what was that, early to mid-90s, and they had him mic'd, Evernham mic'd while he was going through the, the, the tent. Mm-hmm. And he said, I got 10 things on that car that I'm really trying to push. If I can get seven, that's a win. Yeah. And at that time, the technology and the tech line was next to nothing. Right. Like a couple handheld templates. Almost nothing. And no. Yep. And so. The points and, of interest were very minimal then. Right. And then I think he would also try and purposely make something so far out of whack, all the attention would get drawn there to, mm-hmm. to, stay, to keep away from the other stuff. But it's, it's a cat and mouse game. And uh, I always told people, this is not a federally regulated sport. Mm-hmm. This is this is just kind of it's fun stuff it's it's junior high back and forth you politics. try to push it as far <laughs> as you could go like yeah. even us as engineers like we have ideas that might get you in trouble might not yeah but and so would you say that every idea you guys come up with you're trying to simulate as best as possible yes. to prove it mm-hmm. yep yep and, and there's you know a lot of test work seven post work track testing that we try to put into these ideas they're pretty scienced out before you hit the track. Some of them aren't. Some of them are just whims, and you know, theoretically speaking, they should work. Yeah, they don't always. But and what does that timetable look like? Is that week to week, or do you have an idea? Sometimes you bake on for a month, or I would say you try to take the best car you can every week. So you know, even with Chad, like if there was something that was really, really going to make the car faster and you know, us engineers and him were on board, it would happen that week. Yep. Yep. Put in the hours and put it on the car. Yeah. Cause, um, I remember talking to engineers that work for like Boeing and they would work on a landing gear assembly almost their whole career and never see it come to life. Right. And that's the good thing. Like, and then they, they come to racing. They're like, what you do things week to week? Like yeah. they lose their mind. That was the good thing about <laughs> why I kind of went the NASCAR racing route is you can see your product at the end right you can see what you labored for yep. I, I didn't want to get much like your example in the aerospace and work on the actuator for a wing of a boeing 797 that's coming out in 10 years right right um would you if you had the chance tomorrow would you go work for a formula one team yep i mean is that your ultimate like dream mm-hmm. that would be sweet and what would you want to do on that team you know i I guess travel and be a performance engineer, but mm-hmm. my level of understanding of what a performance engineer in my world I get, yep. I don't know about their world. They get so much more data available to them. They have so many more parameters they can touch, tune, and engineer. Yep. I don't even know what that means, but yep. more or less a race engineer for a Formula One right. team. I even saw some pictures from the last couple of days. They're still testing in Abu Dhabi. Yep. And just the aero rigs they have over the ass end of the mm-hmm. car, just seeing what the air is doing is yep. like crazy. Um, yeah, I, I I love, we're probably the same way. I love the technology. And if it costs a ton of money, it costs a ton of money. But in the real world, it needs to balance itself out. And it needs to be something that the market will bear. And as much as I'd love to go back to the old cart days and like the old NASCAR days, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it's it's tough to do that. And Formula One, f- for me, is like the pinnacle of everything. Those things are jet engines; just they they're just flying on the ground. But 
I mean, their budgets are, you know, two, three, four, five hundred million dollars a year for two cars. Correct. And that to me is just mind boggling. I'm not even sure I even know how to make that work. And I, I know a lot of it is funded I, by the manufacturer, but like still, like Jesus. I don't I really don't. I think even over there, like drivers have to come with money from I don't know, a backer of yep. a small country. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's so, it's it's like soccer, you know, you cheer for your country almost. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you, cause I went to Abu Dhabi last year and we got a tour with McLaren, oh, cool. but if you could see that car, you could understand where $500 million goes. Oh yeah. So were you there when they did the switch? Yep. And so explain that. That was the video they put together was really good. Yeah. So that was an experience because we had to take a road course car and go run it around Bahrain. And they're like, here, Julian, set it up. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So, I mean, I watched videos for a few hours, you know, for at least a week of any sort of car going around Bahrain, just seeing. And the car you took, was that a road course car or was it like a Watkins Glen car? Is, is it that specific or is it just a road course car? It was car? just a road course car. Okay. Yep. Um, it last raced at Watkins Glen, but mm-hmm. our road course cars are generally pretty similar, yep. track to track. Um, but, you know... I tried to do my homework as best as I could. So if I knew Fernando Alonso was getting in a car I set up, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't murder the splitter. He wouldn't spin out on his first lap. Yep. And everything seemed to go and pretty well. And so do you think Jimmy Johnson can get in a Formula One car and be competitive? I think he can. It's, it would just be hard, I think, for him adapting to every single track. Yep. And that's, I mean, I think they have simulators to get you ready, but, you know, some of those guys have been racing on the same track, you know, for 10 years. And you only go there once. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, like, 03, when Montoya and Jeff Gordon did their swap, yep. which was awesome, because yep. that was the V10s and mm-hmm. the crazy horsepower. And um, the in-car camera, when Jeff Gordon was in the car, down the front stretch, you know, his head's pinned, and then yeah. he hits the brakes, and he almost comes out of the seat. Yeah, we had to adjust Jimmy's helmet a little bit because, you know, his regular NASCAR helmet, like the wind was moving his head around so much. Oh, wow. Like that he didn't expect. Yeah. So. And what did, um, were you able to get feedback from Alonzo after a couple laps or whatever he did with the shake So, not exactly. I think he was having more fun in it than anything <laughs> right. than trying to be detailed about, you right. know, his experience. Like he was just having a good time. Yeah. Like he, he, it's been a while, I guess, since he was able to, you know, drive a stick shift and roast mm-hmm. the tires and be on the edge and bring it back. Yeah. Like that just doesn't happen in a Formula One car, right? They're stuck to the earth. Right. You got to be so precise. I think he was just having fun. Yeah. But I think. It was a great experience. Yeah, because I remember the the final shot of the video. There was like a, a truck with a camera guy in the back of it, and the, both cars. And um, you know, Alonzo when he warms up his tires, I don't know how he doesn't wreck the thing in a Formula One car. And yeah. he was almost doing it in the Cup car. Yeah. And to go in that car, pretty probably pretty much cold, and not wreck it. Yeah. Like his car control is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, really, really unbelievable. Yeah, it was awesome. I I uh, wish they would do more stuff like that. Yeah, it's. It's a good undertaking. I mean, they, I mean, much like us, they brought a whole team and then some uh-huh. to get that car running. I mean, it takes a lot of people to get a Formula One car to run. And that was roughly Thanksgiving ish. Yep, I miss Thanksgiving. Yeah. And what was the weather like there? Sunny. 70s, 80s? 70s, 80s, yeah. I think. Was it sandy, windy, sandy? 
I don't think so. Um, it actually rained when we were setting up. Wow. I know. Huh. Yeah, but the weather was nice. I because I remember a couple race F one races they had there. It was like a ton yeah. of sand blowing yeah. across the track. No, nope. track was clear. It was a clear day when we actually ran, but the, when we were setting up, it rained pretty hard, huh. which I thought was interesting. I would have I didn't never even know it. it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, okay, so family life. You're married. Yep. Uh, so a quick soundbite on Racing Wives. What was your opinion of it? Never watched an episode. <laughs> It was good. It was trashy, but it was good. <laughs> I mean, I, I love that. I love some shows. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess the only one I really like, and my wife will hate me for this. I don't know why she. I don't know why I like it. We'll just, bleep it out. I like. I like Vanderpump Rules. I really do. I like Vanderpump Rules. I can't get into anything else. I just like Vanderpump Rules. I yeah. don't know why. My new favorite right now, like today now, is uh, Below Deck. So, yeah. Love Below Deck. Botched is another favorite one of mine. I just, for some reason, I can't watch. Like too much trashy TV, but Vanderpump Rules. I'll turn it on and be like, "Yeah," because that's pretty trashy. It is. It's terribly. <laughs> it's poorly acted or whatever they do, and uh-huh. like the characters are outrageous. And I'm just like, <laughs> but they do like, I don't know. I guess you just associate it. Maybe it's bringing me back to like college days and like party days. Like, <laughs> so then your wife's family, racing family. Mm-hmm. What is it like marrying into a racing family? Or do you even talk about that when you we, guys get We together? do. It's just different. It's like her, you know, dad is Billy Boat. And you just, I kind of have, like, to me, I have a lot of respect for Billy. Mm-hmm. And I'm also amazed. I'm like, how did you drive a car, an Indy car around Texas at 220 for 500 laps? Like, yeah, you have to be certifiably insane or have big balls. So yeah. <laughs> either or, he did it for a long time. And, yeah. you know, to go flat out at Indy, like on the edge of out of control and win yeah. the pole, like that's still a huge accomplishment. I know he never won the 500, but like yeah. to get the pole, you have to sack up pretty good for yeah, that. Yeah, that is, that's not coming off the gas. Yeah, so. And trusting everything that you can trust. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we talk about racing a lot, not necessarily, you know, vehicle dynamics or setups, but just a lot of racing and what's happening in the world and right. you know chad races midgets and yep. they've got that midget program going pretty good so and you have two boys how old are your boys four and three four and three terrors yes no the three-year-old is three-year-old is and they obviously know you're you play with race cars mm-hmm. are they into racing because of that or are they yeah still- um our newest well it ended but i got the oldest gunner to uh really get into formula one uh-huh. <laughs> so i got it to the point where they can identify cars so my three-year-old knows the red bull cars max verstappen yeah he doesn't know there's two he just sees a red bull car and says <laughs> max verstappen right um he also likes saying valtteri botas for whatever reason whenever that silver car it could be lewis it could be valtteri but he said valtteri right. botas <laughs> and then gunner won't leave the couch while we're watching i'm like oh okay because oh, well. you know i mean to a kid you know formula one might not be the most exciting yeah i mean there's fast cars on tv but you know there's not a lot of and passing so and whatnot. do they have like lewis hamilton pjs and like I, racing car toys and oh i mean they have tons of race car toys tons of die casts and then yeah. yes some of his favorite gears like lewis gear that i bought him at abu dhabi yeah 
Yeah. I think it, it's it's easy for me to overlook that, but you know, the few people that I've interviewed that have been in their 20s, they've really got into racing because of diecast or yeah. some sort of toy. Mm-hmm. And you know, that that doesn't get shown up on Excel spreadsheets when you're looking to put these programs together on the business side of it, but that it's a very key part of it. I yeah. kind of chuckle and I would I would usually bust someone's balls about all the diecasts that they have, but they're they're kind of important, you yeah, know, I mean, for, I, I think I had 12 Jeff Gordon diecasts. Uh-huh. And did you play with them or were they like no. museum pieces? <laughs> I didn't play with those. Those went on the shelf. I right. just tried to collect them. I have tons of them. It's, it's kind of embarrassing. And so when you traveled, which was probably almost the majority of your career, right? what, what was that like being uh, a new husband and then a dad and then now a dad to two sons? Like how, what's that juggle look like? So in the beginning, I was single and dating, so it wasn't that bad. Yep. Um, when you get married, it still isn't that bad. And when kids come along, then you know you know your wife's got a lot on her plate with just one child. Right. So it kind of weighs on you a little bit during the weekend because you know, like I'm doing what I want to do. I'm working on race cars. So, you know. Yep. I'm more or less hanging out with my friends. Yep. But you know, she's at home more or less by herself trying to take care of a child. And then number two comes out and you're like, okay, well I can, you don't want to come home to an angry wife on a Sunday, especially if you have a bad race. Right. But when that happens, you're just like, ah, it kind of weighs on you a little bit. Yeah. And do you, um, do you feel that you are making the best of the time when you're with your kids or, or have you missed certain things that you kind of kick yourself for? I don't think we missed much. Um, you know, they're four and three. Like, Gunner's just getting into softball this year, mm-hmm. my four-year-old. Uh, softball, t-ball. Yeah. Um, I haven't really missed much in terms of kids' activities. You know, I tried to make it a point to be as home as much as I could during the week. Yeah. You know, like, if, if it were up to me, I could be at the shop 12 hours a day. Yep. There's stuff to do and stuff I want to do, but at some point, you got to call it quits and go home. Right. Yeah, I uh, I would be careful with the Formula One stuff because I had a chance to talk to a tire guy on a Formula One team and he, just the passport dance because sometimes you have to go into a country, you give them a passport. Mm-hmm. They won't clear you technically until after you've left. So you have to have two passports to keep you know going ahead of time. And, you know, NASCAR travel is terrible, but eventually you get to come home. Yeah. And there, you don't really get to come home. No, and that's what we we toured the McLaren shop, and we talked, um, when we got to the track, we talked to guys at the track, and we're like, oh, you guys have a really nice shop. Like They're like, yeah, we haven't seen it in like three months. I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, yeah, we don't go back to the shop after a race. They just right. maybe go home, I don't know, or yeah. just maybe travel to the next race. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, I can't imagine some of the, like, you know, going to California, it's like, you know, you piss and moan, you got to stop in the middle yeah. somewhere to get gas. But like when they're, when they're going on their like long distance, that's like a whole day. It would have been interesting to talk to one of the mechanics about that. Like we were just so enamored with like the car. Uh-huh. We had like so many questions about the car and we're just, you know, in awe of everything. And when we went and saw the race at Abu Dhabi, right. um, you didn't really ask about their family life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they probably enjoyed that too. Right. Um, okay. So. It is almost 2020. We mm-hmm. have one more year left of the current spec car, mm-hmm. and then they're going to go the new car. Uh, uh, in your opinion, um, are we going to see 
maybe historically uncompetitive teams maybe step up a notch or is it going to shake out where the good teams now are going to be the good teams then I think at the start, just because everyone has to start fresh, you'll see maybe a little bit more parity, but depending on who you have, um, money won't win out in the beginning, mm -hmm. but I think in the end, a good team's going to be a good team. Yeah. Eventually, good teams have good people, and good people figure stuff out pretty quickly. Yeah. And I, I think this in 21 will probably be the closest that, that I know of where NASCAR and IndyCar are really in the same mindset. Because I think more or less they're going to do what IndyCar has done. Um, but, if, I mean, from what I've heard, and I still think they're kind of trying to figure out who the vendors are, some like the right. parts and pieces of the car. But I think there's really no parts you can design or relatively almost no parts you can design. The key parts that I know about, no, you can't. Right, so all off the shelf. Um, the tires getting a little bit bigger is it 17 18 inch, 18 inch tire. Um, I, th I, th I don't think they've made it official yet, but you know, there's always the single lug nut discussion out yeah, there. I've heard rumors either way. And that changes about every two weeks. Yeah. And um, then composite body, I think maybe, maybe not. Cause I know that they've tested that for a while now in Xfinity yeah, series. I, I hear that is hard to get through the Hawkeye because it, it just one body to the next is so out of shape from one to the next. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think that's the right way to go? I think, yes. If the sport itself is going to survive, you need to pretty much update the car yep. in, in, in its entirety, like what they're doing. I mean, in the end, it'll probably save teams and bring in new teams. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a pain in the balls for teams yep. right now, yep. especially the big teams that, you know, have invested a lot of time, technology, and, you know, intellectual property and in what they have right now. Right. But the end you know you hope to bring in more teams like you don't want to just have hendrick gibbs and penske racing in 2024 right you right. know you want to have and i think that's the same thing with formula one and their cost cap right you want to bring in more teams mm -hmm. to compete and then uh so again from an engineering brain tell us about hybrid uh, because I read a lot of comments on social media from NASCAR fans. They're not educated when it comes to this topic <laughs> at all. When they see hybrid, they think electric and they think the cars are going to be yeah, quiet. So, so explain I mean, that. A, a hybrid is basically a gas engine and uh, an electric motor in tandem, mm -hmm. more or less. But like on a Formula One car, they race gas engine V6s. Yep. Well, with their electric motor, the thing puts out a thousand horsepower. Right. Just about. And they can regenerate and harvest energy from the brakes and from the exhaust to charge up the battery to power that motor. I yep. think that's pretty cool. And that's that's something I don't know if, you know, racing will go full electric, but I think that's definitely something where the power will come back. Is the sound of a VA going to come back? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I think that they're doing this for many reasons. There's got to be another manufacturer telling them like, if you go hybrid, then we'll come in. Yeah. I I'm think sure. that's hanging out there and it's like, a big audience yeah. in America and it's system horsepower. You know, you have horsepower from the V8 and you have horsepower from your electric mm -hmm. system and combined that's where you get your thousand plus horsepower. Yeah. And you have, I mean, they're going to have to balance that with what that horsepower does to the on-track product, which is what we're working with right now. I mean, they cut down horsepower and added more downforce to, right attempt to get sort of a closer field um work sometimes works doesn't work other times and so what what are your thoughts on 
taking downforce off and adding a bunch of power? You know, the downforce, I don't have an opinion on downforce, but I think you produce as much power as you're capable of as a team. Mm-hmm. Don't limit the power because that's where the driver comes in. Right. You know, Jimmy Johnson is great because he can drive a 900 horsepower car way better than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where ability comes in. Managing, managing tires, managing horsepower, managing the slip of the car yeah. with all that power, despite the downforce. Because the one detriment in IndyCar in about 2009, 10, 11 was that they had plenty of downforce and not a bunch of horsepower, and they were on the floorboard the whole time. Yeah. So there's no throttle modulation, and then it just becomes a game of chicken. Correct. And that, in I, I mean, I would think that with an, a McLaren ECU, you can easily give them a push to pass. Yep. I mean, that to me is the easiest one. So if you do end up staying down almost the whole time, at least mm-hmm. you still have something in the bank. Something in the right? bank to initiate a pass at least or yeah. hold off a pass. I don't know. Right. But, yeah, I, th- I think you put the horsepower in the hands of the driver. I, that's my personal opinion. Downforce, we're going we're gonna to find a way to get more as a team. Yep. So you can take it off, but you can put it on at – Teams are just going to find a way to generate more. Yep. And to me, the last few years really watching that, that to me has been the most exciting. And again, I think we're in the minority because um, like to my kids, the way they can make extra downforce while the car is moving, Mm -hmm. they couldn't give two shits about that. Like they don't care. Um, But I think that's cool. And when you look at the still images of a car at speed and what, is doing to the body and the windshield and stuff. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's what racing's all about. Right. But I'm just concerned that that doesn't translate to a younger generation. No matter how much education you give them, right. even on their own platforms, I just don't know if that's going to, it'll strike a chord with some people, but the masses that the sport needs, I'm not sure it works. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, the um, the window stuff, the front and rear window stuff is just awesome. And, <laughs> you know, dumping more air when you need it and keeping it rigid when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that to me is cool. And I, my still favorite one is like when you're at Talladega and you're going 200 miles an hour forward and the flap on the roof is still sticking up. That to me is cool because that defies physics. <laughs> <laughs> As you stay tight-lipped. Yep. <laughs> Um, thanks very much. Uh, this was cool. Yeah. And, um, thanks for having me. Yeah. Let's this do this was, again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I want to, we'll, we'll get through the winter. We're doing about one of these a week. Uh, but then once we get fired back up again, we'll get some more people awesome. back in here. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks.